Hello and welcome to another episode of Sports Debate. I'm your host, Dr. John Mills, uh, and today we are debating whether it is worth waging war on head use or performance enhancing drug use in sport. And joining me this evening is Dr. Nelson Cortez, who's arguing that it is not worth waging war on performance enhancing drug use in sport. And Tristan McLaughlin, who is arguing that it is worth waging a war on performance enhancing drug use in sport. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Good, and you? Not so bad, not so bad. Trist, how are you keeping? He's currently muted. There we are. Done it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lovely, thank you. Sorry. No worries. Uh, good. I'm glad everybody's okay. Um, juicy topic tonight to sink our teeth into. I will do as we always do to start the show. I'm going to toss a coin to see who goes first to make their uh, opening argument. Uh, Trist, I think I made Henry do it last week. So would you like heads mm -hmm. or tails? Tails never fails. Tails, please. Okay, it is tails. Would you like to go head? Uh, would you like to go first or second? I'll go second, please. Okay, Nelson, you've got three minutes to provide your opening <laughs> argument, and then we'll swap over to Tristan to make his. Sounds good. You know, I I think overall the heads or performance enhancement drugs are a problem in sports. That's that's for sure due to the temptation, the reward, the money, just all too great, in fact, to fully eradicate the matter. So I don't think, I think many of the arguments I'll make, as well as uh, Therese will make, uh, will both hold through. Uh, it's basically two sides of uh, the same coin. I think one of the first things we probably should think about is uh, what, what's the purpose of sports and uh, is it for commercial value or is it for something else because uh, the way i see sports and where this problem with the uh, performance enhancement drugs come about really comes in competitive highly valued sports so the e the use of drugs really date back like to the third uh, Olympics, if I'm not mistaken, when a marathon runner, Thomas Hicks, received an injection in the middle of the race and uh, ended up uh, winning the race. And then uh, the first ban, uh, so to speak, uh, happened around the 1928, even though when you look back, uh, ancient Olympics already had penalties against it. So the reason why people are really using these drugs, performance enhancement drugs, is to bring out the best that they can be, uh, to be at the, the top uh, of their uh, sport and win, which uh, in turn represents monetary compensation. And when we look to the monetary compensation of uh, these athletes, and then uh, 
the monetary penalties and the penalties when they are caught, they don't go end in end. Because uh, comparatively, when you are caught cheating, the penalty is rather small relative to the money that they make. Secondly, I think the money that is invested in developing these drugs are more impressive than the money that it's invested in combating their use. So they are always with a competitive advantage in, even in the developing of uh, these uh, drugs. Second, thirdly, the testing that it's done to the athletes is around 10 to 15% of all participating athletes are tested. So really a low percentage are tested. So the risk really pays off for them. Now, why rather than cleaning the sport from these drugs, don't we think about uh, regulating them in a physiological safe manner uh, rather than so sort of legalizing them for the benefit of sports and sports fan alike? I think this legalization with the safe boundaries, physiologically safe boundaries, will bring the drugs from a black market to a legitimate sports medicine community, could potentially be less than experimenting on athletes and putting their safety in jeopardy, could open the door for scientific studies, longitudinal scientific studies that could develop the safety and the application of these uh, drugs, making them safer with medical monitoring leading to much less side effects than we currently have because it's all done in uh, secret. Mm-hmm. And then there is a, a part, which is when you really survey athletes, 58% of them do believe, uh, do believe and mention they are interested in using these performance enhancement drugs. Why? Because mm-hmm. they want to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so are by waging a war against it, are we continuously creating this vicious problem or should we wage a war inappropriately legalizing and legalizing appropriately its use? Mm. Some very interesting points there. I won't penalize you for going over your time, but don't worry. (coughs) (laughs) Tristan, Tristan, I'm sure you've got plenty, uh, plenty of food for thought there to come back on. Do you want to make your opening argument before you do so, however? Uh, So, is it worth waging a war on ped use? Well, I feel for a few reasons it is worth waging a war. Uh, I'll get back to the terminology of waging a war in a minute. But first of all, as Nelson stole a lot of my thunder with his accurate academic brain, um, there are currently health risks. I also think. There's a message to send young people in sport and wider than sport. You know, if you look at phys ed, um, school level sport, um, which can be sometimes PE, low level sport, which you might think is physical activity. um, I think absolutely we're right to talk about when we think about performance and arts and drugs, we think about the highest level where there's funding and that need to be successful. But I I, you know, if you just have to listen to UCAD trying to, you know, explain away their existence that uh, all the time trial specialists and age group people who get pinged 
for drugs it is it is there as well in without the monetary value as you said nelson i think that will to win has been with humans since we you know first started walking upright um so i think that there's a message to send younger people i also think the ideals and it's not an idealistic um business practice but the ioc's ideals you know altius fortius citius faster higher stronger does not mean enlarged heart kidney failure and liver damage which is currently where we're at um and then to round off my argument we we're talking about waging a war i wish to be very clear in this debate that we are so far away from waging war in anti-doping it is embarrassing the funding the amount that people get funded the the funding streams so wada is funded 38 million dollars a year I mean, that's less than a top-level footballer would earn. Uh, one, one footballer. Um, so how can you possibly suggest that you're taking it seriously? The funding that they get is given from um, government and uh, the IOC matches the money that the governments provide. Why would you give a lot of money to catch your star sprinter or knighted runner it's not in your interest to do that. So you'll you'll play the game of saying, well, we're, we're very anti-doping as long as you don't catch our guy because we're kind of full in here as to them being a hero. Um, so I think that we're a long way away from us actually waging a war on anti-doping. I think that we dabble at best. And um, like the AIU, which is the... Um, Athletics Integrity Unit is actually catching high level, notoriously no like no well known people, uh, and and banning them for doping, which I read a lot about doping because I think it's abuse. So I'd spend a fair amount of time talking and reading about it, and I'm still shocked when they find somebody who's I've heard of who gets banned because that's that's as far away from waging the war as we are. Uh, so that's my opening gambit. There are health things. There are the messages that we send to young people about participating in sport. And then there's the actual reality of how far away from waging a war we are. It's more like a wet hanky that we're flagging at doping at the moment. Very good. Okay. So yeah, plenty of food for thought from both sides of this coin. We will take a very quick break and then we'll come back Okay, welcome back. Uh, in this second half of the show, we will uh, open it up to the panellists to cross-examine one another, uh, to start to dig into the nuances uh, of each other's arguments a little bit more. Uh, Nelson, as you went first with your opening argument, uh, I'll give you the first opportunity to come back at Tristan on any of the points that he raised. 
Yeah, so to me, it sounded like Trist was agreeing with my statements of uh, it, when we look, it's really a commercial aspect of the sport that is probably dictating why we have not done more. So maybe what I would like to ask Trist was, uh, so what is your solution for it? Uh, the current model isn't working. Um, there is still uh, doping. Uh, the amount of investment doesn't match uh, uh, the needs. So if you want to keep waging this war, how do you go about it? Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, basically, it starts and ends with more money, um, more staff trying to find people and test people. Um, and and actually being serious about if you stand for anti-doping, you stand for all of it rather than just the bits that benefit your cause. So I, I, I would argue that we have to actually properly look at the funding streams. I do think that there's something there about what you said around the the opportunity if we legalised it where we would be with um, academics in the long-term safety effects. But uh, the idea that elite athletes are going to sit around and wait for academics to come up with a longitudinal study, that that's not how elite athletes and coaches think they're, you know, you've got to win now. So I think that we we've got to really dedicate more money, more resource. And, and also, um, if you don't catch people, you're out. That's your job. Your job is to catch people. We regularly in the UK finish above Russia in the table at the Olympics. And we're led to believe that they're the single highest um, doping nation in the world. And it was systematic doping. So did that just happen at Sochi or did it happen elsewhere? But we still finished above them with just, you know, grit and, you know, wanting it more or, you know, being shouted at by a home crowd in London. So I think we just be, it is going gonna, gonna to come down to, you know, money, basically. Okay, Nelson, did you have any other points you wanted to pick up on Tristan before I pass over? No, I was just going to ask you about the UK. So on those Olympics, how many UK athletes were tested for doping? Uh, yeah, I don't have the record, the figures for that, but how many, how many elite athletes have been banned for doping by our um, national anti-doping organization? One is a discus thrower called Mark Dry who got banned because he said that he was somewhere that he wasn't and then when he admitted it, they gave him a four-year ban. That's that's our level of catching doping in this country. Um, it's also not necessarily the volume of testing either, is it? Because that, that system can be easily played. You can do lots of testing out of season and you can do lots of testing in different age groups and different uh, uh uh, and basically, you can test around the problem if you were in, if you were so inclined to do so. So uh, the volume probably isn't a particularly good indicator as uh, either, really. You think? I, I also would say I also would say that um, uh, the war, waging the war as well. Uh, you know, so our athletes. If you're an Olympic athlete in the UK, you have to sign up to something called Adams, which is a um, every day you have a, you give an hour, and most people give it when they're in bed or at their training center. And then 
and then you also get three strikes per year. Um, you get two, and then on the third one, you get a ban, which most of the time our athletes can argue against and get back in um, with with a good lawyer who has any basic amount of money that our governing bodies will just run out before anything gets resolved, like a well-known boxer did that. Um, so uh, I think, yeah, the other the other thing with that is you can change your where you are five minutes before the tester turns up. So if you have got your glow time wrong and you are doping, don't worry about it. Just change where you are. Say that you're an hour away from where you actually are. And if the worst comes to worst, you'll be in the car driving to that place in front of the drug tester who just left your house because you said you weren't there. So it doesn't seem like money is the solution. Um, well, I think that money, a large amount of money is being spent on education and educating people not to dope. But as you highlighted, the monetary gain is way more um, valuable to win and don't worry about the risk late, until later on. So I think that it still comes down to target testing. You know, a lot of our athletes would go abroad to train, which is, is actually legitimate, but also it's a really good opportunity for them to get lost. Um, and so I think that you would you would try and test them in those places. But again, that costs money and staffing. So I think that the overall thing is money, but it can't just be more money spent on doing the same ridiculous things that don't work. It has to be actually really thought about how we do it and um, and, and we have to change what we're doing. Okay, that seems like a good point to uh, hand over to Tristan then. Is there any points you want to come back to Nelson uh, on around the argument he made? Um, yeah, so a longitudinal study by academics into doping. How long are you ha happy for academics to sort of hold off the, the, the don't dope until we've told you it's safe to Yes, there's an Olympics coming up, but just just hold fire. Um, how how long do you envisage academics can hold off the professionals? How longitudinal is this study? I think two hundred years. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I think, uh, and I'll try. And I'm not changing my point, but I think uh, one of the issues with the drugs being illegal is that uh, they don't pass uh, human subjects research. So to do current research is not doable because the drug is illegal and it's not legally allowed to place a illegal drug. What I, what I was trying to get across is uh, if there is some form of, uh, even if it's IOC centers that could uh, study these drugs to identify these uh, parameters from a safety perspective, that legalization would it open the ability to do that that currently doesn't exist. Because many of the data that currently is out there is more speculative in nature and not necessarily experimental in nature. Okay, so ideal world, academics come up with a way that you can take EPO and there won't be any long lasting effects or you can abuse thyroxine, a really simple one. Um, 
it won't there won't be any longer term fe- effects to the athletes for doing that and they'll get a benefit through um recovery for example um they do that you know the athletes wait they do that um how much does that cost and what happens when there's a cheaper version that hasn't gone through all the testing that means that the you know the lower level people that have less money are able to still still have some of the good stuff but not quite not quite the best stuff that we're talking about we're talking about you know really ethically trying to push the performance using drugs in the correct manner but i would suggest there'll be a trickle down of that costs a grand per vial so i can do it for 500 what what's your answer to that if would you think that would happen Probably, but isn't that uh, human nature that we are always trying to find ways to go around? Uh, and I don't think that's exclusive to this issue. But uh, I, I, and as I said in the beginning, I think it's a really complex uh, question that you know both sides. But the 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 question is uh, more if you. One of the first questions you asked me was regarding the cost, right? How much does that cost? And truthfully, I'm not sure. But is that co- my my question back to you, which you probably also don't know? Uh, is is that cost higher than the cost of uh, banning and uh, controlling the ban of illegal these performance enhancement drugs? Uh, I, I don't know. The Second part, uh, and I think it's the same as, you know, when you have a drug even today in the market, you have the proper, the pharmaceutical company has intellectual property for it, but then becomes generic uh, after 20 years or something like that. So, and that brings the cost down to that uh, drug. So it's just a cycle of uh, the market itself. I definitely don't think Olympians are going to wait 20 years to get hold of... But the same way, hold of the the same <laughs> way they're not going to wait uh, 20 years to get a hold of a cheaper version of the drug, the current Olympians are also trying to find ways to become uh, better than their competitors to win. And many of them use performance enhancement drugs that are not legal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that and that requires a lot of money as well. So I think that basically it's a, you know, if we increase the resource, you can't increase it to a level where, you know, a multi conglomerate national international sports brand helps find medical things that benefit their sponsored athletes, either legal or illegal. I don't think you're ever going to get that amount of money for for funding, but I think that we can we can be a bit more serious and a bit more, you know, maybe even if the funding pays for lawyers to really hammer home this idea that once you get caught, you're caught and you're banned and that's your reputation rather than you're caught. But it's, you know, it might never come to fruition because the better lawyers are representing the athletes to get them off. And I'm not talking about people who uh, haven't done anything wrong. I'm talking about people who dope and then get off because mm-hmm. they have the resource to get off. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems to me that either way, it's going to come down to money, come down to health of athletes, 
and also come down to how much our will is to protect them sometimes from themselves and those who abuse around them rather than stand back and go, oh, well, well, we'll allow this to happen. And that was uh, one of the points, I don't remember, but there was uh, someone that ended up destroying his own career because he was taking performance enhancement drugs without knowing exactly which quantity he should be taking or not. And uh, the health consequences were so severe that the career was over. So by what, when we ban and create these, so, so to speak, black market, we also need to deal with the unintended consequences of those that are trying everything more on the illegal side without uh, proper supervision or direction. And then they hurt themselves more than uh, any benefit they can reap from it. Yeah, I think that's where the, um, I don't know with the funding model at the moment and and the allure of having gold medals and heroes that, that win them. I don't know who is that independent that they're going to step in and, and say, well, you can only take this much, you can't take this much, or or you, you're a coach who dopes these people you can't coach anymore like ever anywhere rather than just you can't do you can't coach here you can go and coach somewhere else um i don't know how many of those people exist in sport can i ask a quick question to, to both of you um so you've you've kind of highlighted the fact that you've talked about the commercial aspects of of these issues quite a lot um i think one of the things that that i often think about with this is I know we're all parents in this room. I think if you was to say that that we can study this, we can study ways to to try to do this healthily. Do we really believe that there would be a point where we could create uh, performance enhancing substances with no side effects, basically, with no with no side effects? And, and would you want your children to be competing in sport down the line if everybody was taking some kind of performance-enhancing substance, whereas it was a requirement, basically, to be able to, to participate in that sport? Um, would you want your child to be part of that that environment and part of that sport? To be, even if it was completely, even if it was completely safe to take a specific substance, just the act of becoming so reliant on taking a substance because it you have to take it and the consequences for addiction around other kinds of aspects of people's lives and personalities by just being basically like a lab rat basically being fed these pills because everybody has to take the pills no matter how safe they are like the, the habitual kind of practice of becoming so reliant on a substance like that like would you want your children to be part of that environment I know Tristan's going to say no because he, he's already <laughs> arguing for that point. So it's probably more of a question yeah. for Nelson, really. Uh, I think I'll go back uh, a little bit. It, it, it will depend uh, if I'm talking about my children, my child in a few years that starts physical activity. I don't see myself i might be wrong and maybe in a few years we can talk about it again wanting to get my child in a place that it's driven by competition mm -hmm. that's not the type of uh, mentality 
I want uh, to be engaged in uh, physical activity, mm -hmm. sports, mm -hmm. but from a developmental standpoint, motor, uh, mm -hmm. psychosocial, uh, of course, emotional. But so, what if your child falls in love with that sport? I, th I think I, I might be naive here on my answer. Uh, but I think with the, the way I see the interactions that I want, I don't know if I'm going to say to my child, take or don't take, but rather educate about benefits. Mm. And then I think it's a decision that gets to a point that the as a growing person will have to make if i was truly yeah, against it um because i can say to my child slightly different topic i know don't smoke it's bad for you don't smoke mm -hmm. but <laughs> well go out with some friends for a weekend and smoke is smoking right of, is of so course much. the only thing i can say is i is what happens mm. when you smoke is why uh and uh, from there it's, it, it's not quite the same though is it because it's like saying don't don't smoke or don't smoke but it's like dropping your child into a smoking convention <laughs> it, like in some context within sport whereby they will literally be surrounded by people smoking compared to going out for a nightclub or going out with friends where there may be some there may be others but in some sports it literally it may be the case of Everybody is smoking and there is an expectation that, that you smoke. <laughs> but, but the same way, mm. uh, if you, there are, for example, football, uh, American football leagues here that uh, you know some coaches uh, just like to do drills add to add, which are definitely not uh, recommended mm -hmm. for that age. It's your choice as a parent. Mm. to enroll them in that league so they become tough or not enroll in them that club and mm. go find one that uh, aligns more with your beliefs too mm. yeah absolutely so. yeah i think uh, yeah I, i've definitely dragged us off topic a little bit there by bringing the whole parenting angling but i think it's the point of around this kind of universalizability principle which i often fall back on with with doping in sport it's if everyone can do it i wonder how many people would actually want to do it because if you can't if you can't uh achieve some kind of advantage over others if everybody can if it then if it we then fall down on the natural ability that or maybe not the, the enhanced ability from everybody rather than some people being able to have it and some people can't i wonder how many people would actually really be that interested in in yeah, so that's kind of part of the problem here. Um, okay, let's take a quick break there because we got quite deep into the weeds. And uh, when we come back, we can uh, follow up with any other points we want to raise. And I'll provide a quick summary before we wind it up.
Hello, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for tuning into this episode. If you'd like to find out more about uh, Sports Debate, you can visit our Twitter account, which is www.twitter.com forward slash sports debate pod, all one word. Failing that, you can visit our website, which is www.awfullygood.org forward slash sports hyphen debate. Okay, let's get back to the show. Okay, thank you very much for your arguments, gents. This is uh, this is a challenging topic, and I think it's a really interesting topic that we will try and cover in this. Um, some weeks we've been we've talked about things like is Messi the greatest footballer of all time, which I think <laughs> Nelson was on that one. Uh, this is a very different topic to that, and it's it's good that we can uh, we can mix it up and, and reach hopefully different audiences and, and tackle difficult topics. Um, I just wanted to give you both one last opportunity, basically, to come back on any points that that have been raised on this. If you want any kind of additional clarification on any points, or if you want to just emphasise or summarise any kind of the key points that you've made, uh, just so that I and the listeners are hundred percent clear on on the arguments that, you, that you're making, basically. No, are we happy? Or Nelson, no, do you want? Uh, you no. everyone's being polite then, weren't they? Everyone's <laughs> waiting for the opportunity. <laughs> I, I I think it's one for me. Uh, one of those topics that it's really hard to get a perfect resolution. Um, Nelson's playing for the draw here, Trist. That's what that is. No, 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 no. Yeah, okay. I'm joking. Uh, well, I, I said I was going to destroy the night so it's all good. Uh, I should put a disclaimer out on this one. I am funded by Wild as a researcher. So, yes, this is a very difficult topic for Nelson. Uh, but because, you know, you know, like Trist said, the current model is also not working. Mm. Uh, of its band, but uh, it's still happening. So the current model is flawed. Uh, mm. I, I think to a certain extent, uh, legalizing it, regulating it, and uh, could be an option. And maybe it's a case to do a, an academic pilot study. Uh, uh, short one for Trist short, short one so, yeah. so the, quick one uh, but I also see the sides of like yours is saying the, do you want someone to be dependent on that to perform us mm. it's, it, it's tough to say this is the way because the way that currently is definitely not going anywhere mm. no i agree i think the arguments that are generally made within the literature are around functional versus um, moral reasons for why people uh, choose to dope or, mm. or or don't dope um and i think i think what we've kind of discussed here that actually it's maybe a bit more nuanced than than what we currently discuss within the literature um I think it sounds like, from what you're saying, it, it's the commercial aspects come in a lot more. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that 
commercial aspects are necessarily functional or moral. It's um, if you're an athlete and you're being told by your sponsor to dope um, or you're being told by your coach, it's very difficult, isn't it? It's not You're not necessarily looking to seek a, a competitive advantage over your opponents in that instance. You're not looking necessarily to be the best you can be. You're looking to keep a roof over your head and food on the table potentially, um, and that's that is slightly different from often many of the arguments that are made, uh, certainly within this this field and this study, um, this field of study, I should say. Uh, Tristan, did you have any other points you wanted to come back on? Well, I think it's interesting. Um, I think Nelson's made some really good points uh, for for something that's really quite hard to argue against, um, but. I think where we're at with pets in sport, I don't even think we can agree what a pet is because basically we, we, we have the water code. So if it's not on the water code, it's not a performance enhancing drug, but there are people that are taking stuff that is an enhancement that then it gets put on the code because you then have to do tests to see what the benefit is or more complicated than that is what, if it's a masking agent for something that actually does just give a clear benefit to performance, normally physiology. Um, and that's where we're at. It's hard to argue that the system, current system is working. It's hard to argue that the current system is that we are fighting a war because I'm not sure we are. I think that we're just sort of going, well, if we can ban some people and acknowledge that some level of performance enhancing doping happens, then the rest of you can kind of get away with it, whether you are or aren't. And 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 you can sort of focus your moral outrage on these people over in the corner that have been caught mm. while the rest of us just carry on. Um, and the way to tackle that is probably we're all in agreement is to change the system, increase the amount that you target people, increase the amount that you fund actually doing it and change to make it an independent way of funding it so that, well, I wouldn't fund it if it was going to damage my sport or my country. So, mm. or the Olympics, the brand of the Olympics, nearly all their money comes from um, uh, broadcasting. It's really not in their interest to not have the biggest athletes on the biggest stage. Mm. So whether they, whether I'm not suggesting that they don't or they get involved, but it just isn't in their interest. Mm. Um, but yeah, thanks for that. It's a good, good topic. Okay, just to try and summarise then, I think that uh, that we've had a, a very interesting discussion um, around the complexities of this issue more broadly. Um, Nelson has has actually, I think, done a very, very good job in proposing a system change, really, a wholesale change to the system around it, it, it's... Uh, perhaps not subtle, but it probably would be effective much in the same way as uh, other drugs and other um, kind of illicit substances uh, have been treated historically. Um, I'm not sure within sport it's, I think it is, it is an approach and it is certainly a, a valid argument um, and a valid option. Um, Personally, I, I can't get over the fact of this idea of um, just sport 
I don't know, maybe it's my being old fashioned, but I kind of have this view of sport having these um, values of fairness and this kind of spirit of sport. Um, and actually, if we get into the realms of using performance enhancing substances and making them uh, like a ritualistic behavior, basically, or, or a compulsory part of sport, I don't think that necessarily fits with my my pre-existing ideas of what sporting competition should look like um now that's 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 possibly just me and i'm sure there are a million other people out there that have a different view on this uh i'm sure there would be uh, definitely be a lot of people that ha would ha would share nelson's view as well um but i but i don't is, is, uh, <laughs> so you talk nelson. about fairness but is it mm. sports and uh currently fair that's a whole nother question, Nelson. And we've been 40, 41 minutes. Okay, okay. Don't, up, don't be up. bringing other questions <laughs> in at this point. No, you're absolutely right. Um, sport probably isn't fair currently. And, uh, wait, in fact, I would say it definitely isn't fair. Um, richer countries, athletes from richer countries, it's not fair. You're born where you're born. And actually, the environment that you're, that you're born into has a massive influence on, on uh, your development as an athlete. However... You're not in control of that, whereas you are in control of putting substances inside your body, and that's kind of a line that that I'm currently not happy with, um, and I wouldn't be happy with my for my children. I want sport to be about people competing to the best of their abilities and taking it on the chin, basically, if if they, if they aren't the best, and being good sports people um, and it being that that kind of ideal that you were presenting um, around youth sport, really about being development and about being process focused and about being about developing yourself as a person and an athlete. I really don't see why we have to have these divisions of sport of the top level where anything goes because it's all about money. Really, I think there is a purity to sport that we should be striving to get back to rather than pulling in a different direction entirely. And I kind of feel that's where we would be heading uh, by legalizing and modifying our kind of principles and around some of these things. Okay, that's my view. That's what we're going to go with this evening. If you don't like my view and you, don't, and you disagree, you know where to find us. Twitter, sports debate pod come and bring your arguments if there's stuff that we've missed that you want to bring in here feel free to do so this is a bit of a live discussion um, and we are very happy to hear your thoughts gentlemen thank you very much for your interesting and thoughtful uh, arguments this evening and uh, have a good evening <laughs>